as I'm sure you know that I don't uh, read these very well, but I do my best and I will read the next one. And this is The Following Pit by Reverend Mr. Mingus. Experience shall show how it gained favor with the men in the ranks for whom it was especially intended. The scene is Yorktown, the subject is an Irishman. Now let me tell you that the, uh, the writing is the, uh, as though the Irishman is speaking in an Irish tongue. So bear with me. Well, this was a very tough Irishman, I assure you. It was at the time when a great many were sick at Yorktown. Men who had marched and dug delved until they were completely broken down. A great many of them had no clean shirts on. I had gotten a large supply and was going through the tent, giving them to the poor fellows. I came to this Irishman. My dear friend, I said I, how are you? You seem to be an old man. Sure and I am an oldie man, sir. Well, how come you here in the army, old as you are? Oh, sir, I'm not only an old man, but an old soldier too. I'd have you know. He had been 20 years in the British service in the East Indies and had fought America's foes in Mexico. Yes, sir, he continued. I'm old and I know it, but I'm not too old to shoulder the musket and hit a rap for the old flag yet. You're a brave fellow, said I, and I've brought these things to make you comfortable. As I held out to him a shirt and a pair of drawers, he looked at me, said he, It's them things, eh? Yes, I want to give them to you to wear. Well, I don't want them. You do want them. Well, I don't. And he looked at me and then at the goods and said somewhat sharply as I urged him again, Never mind you, sir. I don't want them. And I tell you, I want have them. Why? Sure, said. Ye'd take me for an object of charity. What was a kind of pose? Now, they, they say uh, was a kind of poser, which is kind of funny. Some It's a phrase we uh, use today as a poser. I looked to him. No, sir, said I. I do not take you for an object of charity, and I don't want you to look at me as a dispenser of charity, for I am not. Well, what are ye then? I am a delegate of the United States Christian Commission, bearing the thank offerings of mothers and wives and sisters to you brave defenders of the stars and stripes. And I thought, surely, after such a speech as that, I would get hold of the old fellow's heart. But he looked me and said, and how I won't have them. I felt really hurt. I did not at all like it. I have told you he was an Irishman and I happened to be a Scotsman. I was determined not to be conquered. I mean to try further and then I Scotsman means to try a thing. He will come very near doing it. I don't talk any further then, but determined to prove by my acts that I had come down to do this old man good. So day after day I went about my work nursing, giving medications, cleaning up the tents, and doing things and, and everything I could. One day as I went in, a soldier said, There's good news today, chaplain. Ah, what is it? Paymaster's come. Well, that is good news. Yes, but not for me, chaplain. How is that? I've not got my descriptive list, and if a fellow's not got that, the paymaster may come and go, and he's none the better off for it. Well, why don't you have it? I can't write, chaplain. I've got chronic rheumatism. 
Shall I write for you? If you only could, chaplain. I hauled out paper and pen, asked the number of his regiment, name of his captain, company, etc., and sent a simple request that the descriptive list might be remitted to that point. When I had done this, I found a good many who wanted their list, and I went on writing for them until I came to the cot next to the old Irishman's. It was occupied by another Irishman. I asked him if he had descriptive list. No. Shall I write it to your captain for it? If ye please. And I began to write. I noticed the old Irishman stretching over all, all attentive. I spoke now and then a word meant for him, though I affected not to notice him. After I had written the request, I asked the young man if I should read it to him aloud. I.e., if he please. And I read him at the simple note. When I had done, the old Irishman broke out with, Upon ye soul, sir, ye wrote that nicest letter for a descriptive list. That I've heard in my life. Sure, an amon a man would think ye'd been a soldier all your days. Ye do write so neat a letter. I turned around and asked, Have you got yours? And I have and I haven't, sir. Do you want it? And to be sure I do, said he, flaring up. And I was to score quaint to ax a man if he wants his descriptive list, if he wants his pay to boy some to buy some delicious delicacies to send him home to old man and his children. I do want it, and ev y'all lend us the stroke of your pen, chaplain, y'all oblige us. I sat down, wrote the letter, and when I had done said, Now, boys, give me your letters, and I'll have them postpaid and sent for you. When I returned, said work awaited me. One of Massachusetts' sons lay in the tent dying. I spoke to the dying boy of his mother, of Jesus, of home and heaven. I believe it to be a great characteristic of the American heart that it clings to home and mother. I remember passing over a battlefield and seeing a man di just dying. His mind was wandering. His spirit was so long on that bloody field. It was at his home far away. A smile passed over his face, a smile of, of sweet as such up as sweetness as looking up he said oh mother oh mother am so glad you have come and it seems as if he was there by his by his side by and by said uh, again mother it's cold it's cold won't you pull the blanket over me i stood down and pulled the door poor fellow's ragged blankets closer to his shivering form and he smiled again that will do mother that will do. And so turning over, he passed sweetly into rest and was borne up to the presence of God on the wings of the pious mother's prayers. But to come back to the case in the tent, after I had done all I could for the dying man and had shaken his hand in farewell, I turned to leave the tent. Who should meet me at the door? But the old Irishman. He looked very queerly. There was certainly something the matter with him. He was scratching his head, pulling at his beard, and otherwise acting very strangely. But I did not take much notice of him. As I had been in so solemnly engaged, he came up to me and clasped my hand and said, Be me soul, sir, 
You're no humble humbug anyhow. What do you mean? I asked. Oh, said he, haven't I watched ye every day as ye've been going through the tent caring for the dyings, and ye've been looking like a mother to every one I've every one of them. Thanks to ye, chaplain, thanks to ye, and may God bless ye, he repeated, as he again wrung my hand, and said he, Ye do all this for nothing. The by the boys been telling the boys been telling me uh, ab about you. Now remember, this is in slang Irish, so it's a little difficult to read. Well, now how's that? They've been telling me you were a prisoner, Presbyterian minister, and that ye come away from your home down here for the love ye had for the boys, but ye don't do it for nothing. Who then pays ye, the government? No, if it had to pay me, it would take a great deal more money than it can spare. Well, does the commission pay ye? No. Well, then, if the government doesn't pay ye, nor the commissioner doesn't, who does pay ye? I looked the man straight in the eye and said, That honest, heartly grasp of the hand, and that hearty, good blessing you, are ample reward for all that I have done for you. Remember, my brave fellow, that you have suffered and sacrificed for me, and I could do I couldn't do less for you now. He was broken down, he bowed his head and wept, and then taking me by the hand again said, Sure enough thou the pay ye take thy then God bless ye, God bless ye. Y'all be rich of the coin of me heart all your days. And then after a few minutes pause he added and now, chaplain, if y'all just give us the shirt on the and the drawers, I'll wear them till they're not a thread within them. And that's the uh, the story of the chaplain.